0: Hello, and welcome to Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, the podcast. Written by Eliyzer Yudkowsky, read by Inyash Brodsky, based on the works of J.K. Rowling. Chapter 114, Shut Up and Do the Impossible The Gibbous Moon Riding Higher in the Cloudless Sky the stars and wash of the Milky Way, visible in all their majesty within the darkness. All these shone down upon the graveyard to bear witness from their unimaginable distances. In the instant when Harry had realized there was no way at all left to save everyone, his mind's voices had fallen away, become one, a single purpose taking up every fraction of his mind. Fifty Seconds 40 seconds. Harry's eyes tracked slowly across the air until his gaze landed on the first Death Eater, the one closest to him. 30 seconds? 20 seconds? Time's
1: almost up.
0: I do know secrets you would like to know. Harry didn't look directly at the Dark Lord as he spoke. But most valuable knowledge to you, I think, would be my ideas as to how world might be destroyed. Yet to tell you such thoughts might lead to destruction of world. Do not know prophecy, but if there is prophecy... That makes it more than unusually probable that any action I take might have that effect. Or, to tell you such, might prevent destruction of world, since you do seem motivated to avoid it. Not allowed to make such a decision myself would need to awaken and consult girl-child friend. Vow requires. There was a long pause. The Dark Lord, floating above and behind the curve of Death Eaters with leveled wands, began to laugh as Salazar Slytherin had thought a snake would laugh. Cold amusement in the form of a hiss.
1: Do you know how to destroy world, then?
0: Cannot deliberately try to imagine method... "'You might have way for Servant to steal my thoughts. "'Vow prohibits. "'But suspect I could devise method if Girlchild said to try.' "'Harry's eyes drifted slowly to another Death Eater and another. "'More snakish laughter.
1: "'Clever. You have my compliments for thinking such tactics.' But no.
0: No, it is annoying. But with world and your eternity at stake, would you not... Greater
1: risk to world in introducing such complications, delaying your end. I will study muggle sciences myself. Think of all you might imagine. Now speak such Secrets, as you may tell me, or this ends.
0: Slowly, Harry's vision tracked across the graveyard in careful arcs, ignoring the Dark Lord except as a floating blackness in his peripheral vision. His mouth went on speaking with only half his attention. "'Have thought of idea you might not have considered, teacher.' Your attempt to kill me might fail in certain specific way despite all your precautions. Perhaps lead into destroying world later. Would not ordinarily deem probable, but with prophecy at hand may well be so. Voldemort went still in the air. How? Am not obligated to tell you. A cold anger began to seethe through the snakish reply.
1: Though I understand well your desperation and attempted cleverness, this begins to annoy me. I will not withhold from killing you, for that is still greater risk. To fail to tell me your thought risks destroying world. Speak!
0: No, no. Vow does not obligate me to any positive action. The Dark Lord stared down at Harry Potter, who glanced up at the angry face only briefly before his eyes went back to the next Death Eater. Some of them were shifting their stances slightly, but they stood still and said no words as they leveled their wands. The silver skull masks could not be read. Then the Dark Lord began to chuckle again.
1: Survive your death, you think you might? No, child, my horcruxes are not linked to you also. I would know if they were. Or is there other reason you think you may survive beyond my ways of ensuring your death?
0: Harry didn't allow himself to be distracted. The repeated failures didn't matter. They only led into the next action in the chain, but he still needed a next action.
1: Now, speak a secret, or I...
0: Life Eaters will pursue you always, hate you always, seek you out wherever you go. If what I have just done was successful, I have caused them to be set upon you. Guardian Charm's secret will be beyond you for long time to come. Perhaps forever. Best defense against Life Eaters would die with me. This is starting
1: to become sad. Ah, I see. Life Eaters respond to expectations. You tell me I will be hunted. I expect be hunted. They haunt me. Such is rare, but not unheard of. Valuable secret, yes? Can see many uses.
0: A cruel smile.
1: I shall allow you to select one person to be saved.
0: Myself
1: would tell you to die with dignity, but knowing myself, I know it for futility. You have wasted my kindly gift just then by annoying me, and I retract it. Any other secrets?
0: Yes, really interesting ones too. Some you are unlikely to figure out on your own. Not for a very long time, if ever. If I say I have told you all that do not risk world, will you not torment any of my friends or family? All of this speech started because you left me no way at all to save everyone. The Dark Lord stood still in the air for a long moment and Harry's eyes went on tracking slowly across the graveyard, as his hand remained tight upon his wand. In the instant when Harry had realized there was no way left to save everyone, he couldn't speak any incantation in English, but transfiguration was wordless. There was no material in contact with his wand's end except air, which couldn't be transfigured. But Voldemort didn't know about partial transfiguration, which Harry could use to transfigure a tiny bit of the material from his wand itself.
1: You're stalling. Just to delay death, or with other purpose.
0: Harry said nothing, his other work slowing as his mind sought a continuation of the conversation that would work even against the Dark Lord's will.
1: Speak and tell me this purpose, or this ends now, and your friends suffer for lifetimes.
0: Lower muggle weapon and do not point wand in my direction. Speak no commands to servants. I do possess capabilities of which you are ignorant can use one such capacity to cause a huge explosion almost instantly, without speaking incantation. Slay your new body, all servants, stone scattered to who knows where. At his current level of practice, Harry could transfigure one cubic millimeter as fast as he could apply his will and magic. One cubic millimeter of antimatter. It wasn't a world-ending threat. Voldemort could have been carved from stone.
1: You bluff. Somehow.
0: Not bluffing. Speaking in snake talk, I tell you, I can do it almost instantly. Before any spell can be cast at me, I think. You know very little of science as yet. Power, I would command, is stronger than process that fuels stars.
1: Vow will stop you. You cannot risk world. Take no risks. None with clever ideas.
0: Would not risk world. I estimated size of explosion, nowhere near that large.
1: You do not know, fool. Cannot be sure.
0: I am reasonably certain. Thou will not stop me. There was an increasing fury in Voldemort's expression, and yet his hiss carried a tinge of fear.
1: I shall wreak pain beyond imagining on all you care for.
0: Shut up. I disregard all such threats now, as Theory of games says I should. Only reason you make threats is that you expect me to respond. That, too, Harry had truly understood in The Last Extremity. Offer me something I want, teacher, for your new body, for your continued holding of stone, for lives of your servants. Harry's mouth was running on automatic, his real attention elsewhere. Beneath the moonlight glints a tiny fragment of silver, a fraction of a line. From a tiny spot on the end of Harry's wand, a cubic millimeter of anchor stretched out a thin line of transfigured spider silk. It would have broken at once if tested. It would have gone unremarked if any had noticed its glint. Less than a tenth of a millimeter in cross-section, the tiny shape represented by the extended line of spider silk was something Harry could transfigure swiftly, 10 centimeters of length to a cubic millimeter of total volume, and Harry could transfigure a cubic millimeter in a fraction of a second. He was forcing the transfiguration outward, extending it through the air as fast as he could without risking the transformation. The tracing line of spider silk looped around a Death Eater's hood at neck level, returned to the pattern of threads. Voldemort's face was now impassive.
1: You must not leave here alive Sensible people called good would also agree This I tell you in snake speech But all your friends I will treat kindly And protect under my reign If you agree to die now as a good person should
0: The last Death Eater was looped The pattern of spider silk was complete. The web had been drawn with loops around all the Death Eaters' necks. The ends of those loops had been anchored to a central circle, and that central circle in turn had three threads stretching across its center, the entire pattern still touching the anchor line stretching out of Harry's wand. Over the next seconds, those near-invisible threads of reflected moonlight turned black. Filaments narrower, stronger, and sharper than steel wire. Braided carbon nanotubes, each individual tube, all a single molecule. Want you to also promise to treat nations kindly under your rule. Will not accept less. Voldemort hovered still in the air, snake face showing a dawning fury. The last two threads stretched out from the dark pattern, black threads already in the form of nanotubes. They moved lightly through the air toward the Dark Lord himself, toward the sleeve just above Voldemort's left hand that held the gun, toward the sleeve just above the right hand that held the U-wand, threads placed high at first to give them time to drift slowly downward through the air. The threads looped around, went over themselves, tied slippable knots, began to tighten, coming closer to the sleeve as Harry transfigured them shorter. Harry felt the tickle of Voldemort's power beginning to touch his own in the back of his mind. At the same time the Dark Lord's eyes widened, his mouth opened, and Harry transfigured the black threads stretching across the black pattern center to a quarter their previous size, shrinking the circle, yanking hard on everything attached, tightening loops, black robes, falling. Harry wasn't looking there. He didn't see the falling masks, the blood. In the back of his mind, he felt some explosions of magic like he'd felt when Hermione died, but he ignored them. Harry's eyes saw only the Dark Lord's hands and wand and gun dropping downward. And then Harry's wand was rising, pointing. Stupefy! The red bull to the color of the stunning hex winged towards Voldemort, blazing across the graveyard almost faster than the eye could see. Without any hesitation despite his wounds, the Dark Lord jerked down and right through the air and the red bolt from Professor Flitwick's secret swerving stunner turned in midair and slammed into Voldemort. The pain that flashed through Harry's scar was searing. It made him cry out, and a red haze appeared across his vision. Despite everything, Harry dropped his wand in pain and sheer fatigue. As Harry let go of his wand, the pain began to clear. End Chapter 114 Chapter 115 Shut Up and Do the Impossible Part 2 Something like a fugue state had come over Harry's mind. The absolute state had partially worn off him, partially stayed with him. Elements of his mind were numb maybe deliberately numbed by some part that was smart enough to predict what would happen otherwise. What he'd just done. The thought was shut off, making space for an awareness of other things. Harry was standing in the middle of a haphazard graveyard, tombstones scattered without order. By moonlight and starlight, it could be seen that black robes littered the ground, surrounded by textures that didn't match the surrounding graveyard earth, wetness tinged red in the moonlight. Some heads had come loose from the surrounding hoods of the robes, revealing hair that was long or short, dark or bright, which was all that could be seen beneath the moon. The silver mask stayed on, making all the hair originate in skulls instead of human faces. The thought was shut off, making space for awareness of other things. A girl in a red-trimmed Hogwarts uniform slept upon an altar. Near the altar, Harry's things lay in a heap. Upon the ground lay a too-tall pale man of inhuman face, blood pouring from the stumps of his wrists. As soon as the Dark Lord Voldemort awakens, he will destroy everything you love. Dumbledore is no longer there to stop him. He cannot be imprisoned, for he can abandon his body at any time. He cannot be killed permanently, not without destroying more than a hundred horcruxes, one of which is the Pioneer Plaque. Materials One Wand You are allowed to point it and speak this time. You have five minutes. Solve. Harry stumbled toward the altar, knelt at its side, and picked up his pouch. He walked toward where Voldemort lay. The sense of apprehension had diminished after Voldemort had been hexed unconscious. Now, as Harry approached, it rose to a terrifying height, flaring also into pain in his scar. Harry ignored the inner shriek. That had been the last memory of Tom Riddle seared into Harry's brain, the last cognitive pattern to be transferred over into the infant baby before Tom Riddle had exploded, a sense of mounting horror and dismay associated with the resonance that had spun out of control. Harry knew the meaning of it now, that sense of apprehension, and that made it easier to disregard. He'd guessed that the effect of the resonance mostly hit the caster, with power proportional to the caster's power, and the bet had paid off. Harry looked upon Voldemort's body and breathed deeply, through his mouth, because coppery smells Harry was not thinking about were coming in through his nose. Harry knelt by Voldemort's side, took out his medical kit from his pouch, and placed a self-tightening tourniquet around the body's left wrist than another tourniquet about the right. It felt wrong, showing Voldemort that concern. Some part of Harry was aware, in the back of his mind, that some number of people had just had something extremely bad happen to them. What would have been balance, what would have been justice, was if Voldemort had suffered the same fate without an instant's more hesitation. What Harry was doing now felt like Batman showing more concern for the Joker than for the Joker's victims. It felt like a comic book where the writers wrung their hands endlessly about the morality of killing the big named villains while innocents went on dying in the background. To show more solicitousness for the head villain than his minions, to pay more attention to his fate than the fate of his lower status followers, was a flaw in human nature. So it felt wrong when Harry rose up from beside the body, the tourniquet having tightened upon Voldemort's wrists. It felt like Harry was doing something ethically monstrous. Even though any sane strategic thinking said that Voldemort's body must not die, the soul he'd created for himself had to be anchored in this brain. It mustn't be allowed to float free. Harry stepped back, back from Voldemort's unconscious body breathing deeply through his mouth. He went to the pile of his things to put on his robes and other items, starting with placing the time-turner around his throat once more, readying his own escape and return if that was required. More than a hundred horcruxes. That had been insane. There wasn't any other word for it. A sign of Voldemort's damaged thinking about death. A muggle security expert would have called it fence post security, like building a fence post over a hundred meters high in the middle of the desert. Only a very obliging attacker would try to climb the fence post. Anyone sensible would just walk around the fence post, and making the fence post even higher wouldn't stop that. Once you forgot to be scared of how impossible the problem was supposed to be, it wasn't even difficult not by comparison to the last one. Neville's parents, for example, had been crucioed into permanent insanity. Two hundred advanced horcruxes wouldn't prevent that insanity. They would all just echo the same damaged mind. It would be an ethically justified use of the Cruciatus Curse, if that was the only way to stop Voldemort permanently. It would be justice, balance, It would show that the Joker's life wasn't worth more than his meanest henchman. All Harry needed to do was cast the Patronus Charm, send it to... Alistair Moody? And tell him to come here. Well, no. It was a pretty good guess that the Patronus Charm wouldn't work if it was cast with that intent. Maybe just resolve to tell Moody that, and use his time-turner once he was out of range of Voldemort's wards. And then Voldemort could be crucioed into permanent insanity. It wasn't even the least merciful fate. That would have been throwing Voldemort's wand into the pit at Azkaban if the wand stayed connected to Voldemort's life and magic no matter where his ghost tried to flee. Harry turned to face where Voldemort lay. He walked forward and continued to control his breathing, ignoring the burning feeling in his throat. Some part of him knew that Voldemort was also Professor Quirrell, even though his body was now different. Even though the shift of personality had been perfect, and that meant that Professor Quirrell had been just another mask. The Voldemort hadn't planned to kill Harry painfully, hadn't thought to strike Harry with his followers' cruciatus when Harry was being annoying before. That meant something when your opponent was Voldemort, Maybe he'd had some remaining shred of fellow feeling for the other Tom Riddle after all. It would be wrong to take that into account, wouldn't it? Harry looked back up at the stars. Here below the atmosphere, the stars twinkled. They were embedded in the false dome of the night sky, stretched out across the wash of the Milky Way that glowed like a long ribbon, as if they were all close enough that you could fly up to them on a broomstick and touch them. What would they want him to do now, at this juncture? The Children's Children's Children. The answer to that also felt obvious, if it wasn't just the part of Harry that still cared about Professor Quirrell doing the real talking. Harry had needed to do the thing he'd done. It had prevented greater evils. Harry couldn't have stopped Voldemort if the Death Eaters had fired first. But the thing Harry had done wasn't something that could be balanced by a not-necessary tragedy happening to one more sentient being. Even if that being was Voldemort, it would just be one more element of the sorrows of ancient Earth so long ago. The past was past. You did what you had to do, and you didn't do one scrap of harm more than that. Not even to balance things out and make it all symmetrical. The children's children's children wouldn't want Voldemort to die, even if his minions had. They wouldn't want Voldemort to hurt if it didn't accomplish anything compared to him not hurting. Harry breathed deeply and let go of... Not his hate. Not quite his hate. He hadn't been able to hate his creator even at the very end. But even so... Harry let go of something, of the sense that he ought to hate Voldemort, that it was a hate he was obligated to feel, for the endless list of crimes that Voldemort had committed for no good reason, not even his own happiness. "'It's all right,' the stars whispered down at him. "'It's all right to not hate him. It doesn't make you a bad person.' In the end, there was only one option he would take, and since Harry already knew that, there was no point agonizing about it. Whether it was the best option, only time would tell. Harry breathed deeply, building up the magic inside himself. The spell he was going to cast didn't need to be precise, but it was still one of the most powerful spells he'd mastered. Harry thought again of how unjust it was that Voldemort could not die with his followers, felt the slight trace of coldness in his blood that came with thoughts of ruthlessness. And then Harry let it go, let it all drain away beneath the starlight, because his dark side had never been anything except an inherited pattern of cognition, just one more bad habit of thinking to break. Instead, Harry looked at Hermione's breathing form atop the altar, and let the tears finally start from his eyes. What would become of Hermione now? What path she would choose after this? Harry couldn't guess. But she would be there to have a choice. Their friendship wouldn't have destroyed her existence. He hadn't realized how shaky his hope had been, until he'd noticed how surprised he'd been after the hope had come true. Sometimes things did go better than expected. And Harry took that thought, too, and put it in the magic he was building. The power he was storing up was vibrating in him, like his whole body was part of his wand. Either Harry's eyes were blurring, or there was a luminous white quiver running over the holly. And Harry thought the shape of the spell he would cast. He didn't have much fine control, but the pattern he needed was simple— It just needed to include... Everything. Forget everything. Tom Riddle, Professor Quirrell, forget your whole life. Forget your entire episodic memory. Forget the disappointment and the bitterness and the wrong decisions. Forget Voldemort. And at the last moment, before Harry cast the spell, he had one final thought. A note of grace. But if you ever had any truly happy memories, not hurting people or laughing at their pain, but the warm feeling of helping someone or being helped, there won't be many, maybe just when you were a child. But if you had any truly happy memories, then keep only those. Something bright in him unfolded at the decision, knowing he'd made the right choice, and Harry pushed that too into his wand. Obliviate! And it all poured out of Harry into the spell. Harry fell over on his side, dropping his wand, gritted screams coming from his throat, his hands going helplessly to his scar, even as the sudden blast of pain in his head began to fade. Only dimly did his eye see that the air was filled with glowing snowflakes, drifting motes of silver light like tiny specks of Patronus charm. Only a moment the silver light lasted, and then it was gone. Professor Quirrell was gone, nothing left but a remnant. And that spirit, what remained of it, wouldn't be so different now from Harry's own. The prophecy was complete. They had each remade the other in their own image. Harry started (laughs) sobbing then from where he was curled up in the dirt. He cried for a while. And then eventually, Harry staggered to his feet and picked up his wand again, because this day's work wasn't quite done. End first half of chapter 115. If you enjoyed this episode and haven't done so yet, please consider leaving a rating or review at iTunes. Thank you to the following people. Lord Voldemort alexander jackson this chapter's original text production notes and attribution links along with archives and much more can be found at hpmorpodcast.com if you would like to learn more about the art of rationality please visit lesswrong.com an online community of aspiring rationalists founded by eliezer yudkowski some sound effects used are courtesy of the free sound project the music used is the fall by ministry Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for the second half to chapter 115, Shut Up and Do the Impossible, Part 2.